Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There is one thing I want to say. Get on the radio. Get the word out. You don't know how nice it is having some intelligent person to talk to. But you know, we have got some real serious talking to do. You start a conversation. Quite a conversationist, aren't you? You're talking a lot. Let's talk. But you're not saying anything. Talk. Say something once. You like talking? Why say it again? So let's talk. Jay Talkin, Bradley J, WBZ News Radio, ten thirty. You are Jay Talkin. We're live midnight to five. I'm Bradley J, your host. Women who love men who kill and notorious two books about our national obsession with bad guys. Sheila Eisenberg is the author of both of those. Hi, Sheila. Hello. Well, women. Who love men, who kill, seems counterintuitive. Tell me about it. Well, I I wrote that book some years ago. I was trying to answer the question, why do women become romantically involved with convicted murderers who are either serving life sentences or on death row? And uh, I I, I had my interest piqued because I was a reporter at the time, and I knew of a few cases like that, and I thought, why are they doing it? So I decided to do some research, and I found out that nothing had been written on the subject. So I decided to write a book on the subject. I'm surprised nothing had been written, and you must have been surprised as well. I was shocked, really shocked, because I did really thorough research in some really excellent libraries. I really, I dug deep, and there was nothing written at all. No books, not even any journal articles or magazine articles, nothing. Can you give some examples, some primary, premier examples, I guess, of killers who were very popular? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I write, in that book I write about serial killers like Ted Bundy or uh, the Hillside Stranglers or the Menendez brothers who are, uh, you call them popular, but I call them notorious because they did something, you know, horrendous and uh, they gained a lot of attention for it. And they had groupies or followers or fan clubs, whatever you want to call it, and they ended up having relationships with more than one woman because they had so much attention, so much media attention. But I also, I interviewed about three dozen women, and the majority of the women I interviewed, I'd say, you know, 95% of them, had relationships with what I call garden-variety murderers. They were murderers that did not garner a lot of attention. They did not have a lot of newspaper and magazine articles written about them. They were quiet murderers. They had just killed one person, and then they went to prison serving a life term. And the women who got involved with them didn't get involved with them because they were infamous and notorious. They got involved with them either because they worked at the prison or they met them somehow through a friend of a friend. Or, you know, one of them was a journalist covering prisons. Another one was a nurse. You know, and and like that, 
recent story in upstate New York at Danamora, the prison, the two inmates who um, escaped. Do you know that story? No. About a year ago, I'd say, maybe two years ago, they tunneled through a maximum security prison, one of New York's toughest prisons, right near the Canadian border. And they managed to do that by um, with weapons or tools, actually, smuggled in by a woman who worked at the prison. Wow. She was a seamstress at the prison. And she was, uh, you know, she fit the profile of the women that I interviewed for the book. She was a regular woman, nothing extraordinary about her. Her husband, she was married. Her husband also worked at the prison because, in, you know, it was a small town and, and most people worked in the prison. She had kids. She belonged to the PTA, that kind of a woman. And she got involved with either one or both of the prisoners. It's, it's never been really made clear. And she smuggled tools into them, and they dug their way out. Did this woman get involved because the men are murderers or in spite of the fact they're murderers? Well, the first book I wrote, Women Who Love Men Who Kill, they get involved because they're, not because they're murderers per se, but because they're in prison for life. Because the three dozen women I interviewed, um, what they all had in common was that they had all been in previously abusive relationships, either with their husbands, their boyfriends, or they had been abused by their parents. And, you know, I'm talking about a full range of abuse, not just physical abuse, you know, sexual abuse, psychological abuse, even financial abuse. And when you get involved with a, in a relationship with someone who's behind bars for life, he cannot abuse you. I know that sounds counterintuitive because he's committed a terrible crime. He's a murderer, but he can't abuse you because he's in prison. So in a sense, he's a safe relationship. He's behind bars. And you also have the upper hand, perhaps for the first time in your life, because you're in a controlled position. He's, he's in the prison and you're on the outside. So they get involved because the men are behind bars, basically. Do you have any letters from any of the women or the men back and forth in the in that book? Um, can I, you can you may, relay? I, yeah, I'm, I, the, the type I, of I may sentiment? have some. Well, can you give me an I idea what the some. letters back and forth are like? Well, the the men because you know a man in prison for serving life for murder has a lot of time on his hands, right? Right. So he can write very long letters, you know. 10, 12, 15, 20-page letters. They're very flowery. They're very romantic. They're filled with, you know, exclamations of love. He also has time to write poetry. He has time to do paintings of the woman he is in the relationship with. They're extremely, um, extremely romantic. And that's, part, that's another part of the appeal, because a relationship with a convicted murderer is not real, it's sort of delusional because it can't develop into anything more than what it is. And it also can't develop into a natural, normal relationship because a man is behind bars and that's an unnatural setting for a relationship. You know, he's not going to come home from work and say, hi, honey, and let's, let's go to a movie tonight or let's pay the bills together or let's, let's go grocery shopping together or let's have kids together. He can't do any of those things. So it's an unnatural relationship and it doesn't develop. 
So the letters that you're asking about are extremely um, strange in a way because they all reflect kind of what I call a stage one romantic relationship. You know, when you first meet someone and it's very exciting, very romantic. It doesn't go anywhere. Is one of the factors that may be an attraction the fact there's no competition for the man's attentions? Right. Well, yeah, of course. If you're in a relationship with a convicted murderer behind bars, you're it. You know, you're the focus of his existence and you're his contact with the outside world. And frequently you're the contact with his parole board, his lawyer. You put money in his canteen. You know, you're it. You have a lot of importance to him. Would you characterize these women as generally mentally ill? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I really, you know, want to emphasize that in women who love men who kill, I'm, I'm writing about why women become involved with these murderers who are, you know, behind bars for life. And it, and as I said earlier, they had been abused, so they're in a relationship that is safe for them, in which they have kind of a power position. And you know, to you maybe or to me, it's like what? That you don't, we don't understand it. But if you think about it, you may have a friend who's involved with a woman, and you may say to yourself, "What does he see in her?" You don't get it, right? Well, I, I, I'm starting to get it now. Her. After talking to you, yeah, I'm we st- all we all it. see something different in the person that we have a love relationship with. You know, our love relationships satisfy our psychological needs, and these women have psychological needs that are satisfied by having a relationship with a man behind bars who can't hurt them and who looks to them for everything and who puts them up on a pedestal. Any of the women have to confront their, their, their love interest outside of jail? Like did someone get paroled and, and they, yes, sure. Yes. And then, you know, the women, how how does that work? Yeah. Well, the women, you know, their whole goal, they say, is to get the man out, to get his sentence commuted or to get him paroled or to get him exonerated in some way. But it never works out when that happens. You know, in one case that I know of, um, a woman who was a journalist was very involved and fell in love and married a man who was in prison um, not, it was. It's a very strange case, and I can't go into all the details because mm-hmm. it would take hours. But he wasn't in for murder. He was in for felony murder, which in New York State is a murder that's committed during the course of a felony. It doesn't mean that you necessarily pulled the trigger or committed the murder. But if a felony was going on and someone got murdered, you get convicted for felony murder, and that's what he was in for. But anyway, to make a long story short, she worked tirelessly for years to get his, to get people on his side, people of influence, and on and on it went. And eventually, his sentence was commuted by the governor of the state, and he was a free man. And he came to live with her in the town she lived in. Her, his name had been put on the deed of her house. They were married, and within literally two or three months, it all fell apart. He had been in prison all his life since he was 19 years old. He couldn't function on the outside. He sort of went crazy. He he couldn't handle freedom. Wow. And within a few months, he was back in jail and back in prison where he ultimately died. 
so you know and then there are there are cases occasional cases where it does work out i've heard of one case but i would say that generally without the prison walls acting as a parameter within which the relationship works um they can't last we're speaking with sheila eisenberg author of a couple of books well a bunch of books two we're talking about tonight an older one, Women Who Love Men That Kill. That's what we've just been discussing. We're going to move on to the upcoming, most recent, notorious, our national obsession with outlaws and true crime. That is true. Has it always been that way, Sheila? Uh, yeah, it has been. Because uh, even going back, way back into history, uh, you know, we're a country founded on uh, outlaws, guns, shoot them up, the Old West, the frontier. And we have a sort of... Uh, hero worship thing going on with our gun shooters from, I, you know from the past jesse james billy the kid going into the 1920s and 30s with the bootlegging gangsters uh legs diamond you know people like that we we romanticize them we make heroes out of them is that an american thing or do they do that in every country uh <laughs> i think it's an, an american thing sadly I really do. Any idea do why? Think? Yeah, because we were founded on, we're a gun country, you know? Yeah, but good guys have guns too. I mean, we don't have to root for the bad guys with guns. We could root for the good guys with guns, like Lucas McCain we and the we Rifleman. We root anybody with guns. That's the whole thing. And we don't differentiate between them, really. We don't really care who's got the gun. If he's good, if he's bad, as long as he's got the gun. We have a, you know, we're dealing with, hold on. We're dealing with, um, you know, my new book that I'm writing now. I mean, after I wrote Women Who Love Men Who Kill, I realized now that it's part of a much bigger story. It's a huge story because women, much more than men, and this is proven statistically, and I'll write about this, are intensely attracted to true crime and to outlaws and criminals. And there are many, many reasons for this. This is not an easy, quick, uh, you know, answer that I can give you. It's complicated, but we're dealing with many factors here. First of all, we're dealing with the allure of danger. And we have to explore why women are attracted to danger and reading about danger and seeing movies about it. If you go online, if you turn on TV, you know, every other show is a true crime Story, either fictionalized, so it's it's a movie about serial killer, or it's a documentary about a serial killer, and most of the people watching those shows and reading those true crime books are women. And you know, part of the reason sociologists are finding out part of the reason for this could be that women fear crime more than men. And they think that by perhaps on some subliminal level, by watching these shows and reading these books, they'll find out how to protect themselves. That's just part of it. You know, then we move on. You know, another part of it is these criminals today, like Chris Watts, the man who killed his two little girls and his pregnant wife in Colorado. Mm. You know that story, right? You know that one. Yes, and Scott Peterson, a few years ago, he killed his pregnant wife. Yes. These people are made into celebrity heroes by the media. 
because the the media has a 24-hour news cycle to satisfy. And when I wrote the first book, that didn't exist. But now CNN and all the other 24-hour news media, they have to satisfy the audience. And they just keep running the stories over and over. So what happens is you end up thinking, the audience ends up thinking that more of these crimes happen than really do happen. In truth, they're really rare. They hardly ever happen. But people get terrified thinking about them. And and truthfully, more women than men watch the shows and get terrified. But then we have the whole celebrity thing. You know, Ted Bundy was a celebrity, and he had groupies. Uh, Scott Peterson, by the time he got to prison, there were bags of letters waiting for him proposing marriage. And Chris Watts, you know, as I said, who killed his whole family recently, he's getting love letters too. So why? The question is why? I, You know, there's many reasons. Part of it is if you want to be Part of the the basic human need is to be known. We all want to be known, right? right? Yes, I was just going to talk and, about how fame is such a valuable currency in our country, and somebody who's a noted, you know, famous murderer has that fame. Right, and and you know, this all really got blown up into a kind of a crazy obsession, if you want to call it, when we had when we began having reality television, so that now. The first reality TV shows were about surviving on an island. Now, you can be famous if you have if you're a hoarder. You can be famous if you weigh 600 pounds, right? <laughs> yeah. You can be really famous if you're a Kardashian, and you're famous as a Kardashian. There's a family that made fa- that got famous for doing nothing. Right. They have a successful brand and a television series, and if you really want to get down to it. We made a television reality star into our president. True, very true. So you get the more, so you get these incredibly notorious people who are famous for doing either nothing or something very bad, like Chris Watts, or something very wonderful, like um, you know, like a Supreme Court justice, or a famous scientist, or an artist, or a writer. Or, or or a radio star, you know. I mean, but who's going to respond to a person writing you a letter and trying to get into a relationship with you? Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, no. They're not going to answer your letters. But Chris Watts will. That is... So if you want to become known or famous by consorting with famous people, that's a good way to go. That's pretty genius. I love the way you laid that out. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. We talk about books from time to time, and I know that you're hungry for good stuff to read, and it's pretty clear that both of these books would be of interest to you. The current book, Notorious, A National Obsession with Outlaws and True Crime, and then Women Who Love Men Who Kill, they're, they're interrelated. You, maybe you want to get both. I want to thank you very much. Well, Notorious, Notorious won't be out for a couple of years. A couple of years? All right, well, then get the first yeah. one and read it slow, <laughs> slowly. <laughs> Okay, yeah, read it slowly. (laughs) Sheila Eisenberg, thank you very much. My pleasure. There you go. There's another episode of the Jay Talking Podcast. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. If you loved what you heard, like and review the show. It helps others find us. And as always, you can catch the show live. Jay Talking Live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to 5 on WBZ, Boston's News Radio.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.